Well, welcome back to The Bill Bennett Show. We expose the existential threats to America. We discuss the news of the day. Joining me today for our main discussion is Tiffany Justice. She's the head of Moms for Liberty. She's going to talk to us about what's going on in the schools, critical race theory, parental uprising. What is going on? You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Show. Tiffany, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Let's start from the top. Who are you, Tiffany Justice, and what do you do? Um, I am a mom of four. I live uh, in Florida, and um, I uh, served on school board from 2016 to 2020 here in Indian River County because I, I told everyone I'm, I was unpacking a lot of backpacks and got to see a lot of what was going on in the schools, and I wanted to get involved and make a difference. How did you get involved and why did you get involved with schools? So my children went to an elementary school that had really been ignored and we had a lot of structural issues with the school. So got involved helping to rally parents uh, to go to the school board and ask for the school to be looked at for a renovation, to be put on the capital plan. And um, then was uh, it was suggested to me by one of the school board members that I consider running for school board, which I had never thought about. Um, I, I was never really involved in politics at all in my life. So um, did that and had a really interesting experience being a mom with four kids in public school at the same time serving on that school board and seeing behind the education curtain, as I like to say. It's a little messy back there. There's a lot of stuff that, that we're hiding from parents, I think. Um, and uh, it was very, very concerning. So when I left school board, it was time to make a decision about what was next uh, in, a, in a neighboring county. Um, Tina Deskovich uh, also served on the school board in Brevard County, and her term came to an end as well. And we looked at each other and we said, we need to do something with all of this information and knowledge because COVID, I think, as we can all agree, has has awakened uh, parents across this country. You are the head of something called Moms for Liberty? I am, yes. I'm a co-founder of Moms for Liberty with Tina Deskovich, and uh, Marie Rogerson is on our executive board with us. It's a grassroots nonprofit organization uh, uniting and empowering parents across the country to reclaim their parental rights in, in all forms of government, but especially America's public school classrooms. Can you be specific? When you and I were talking about the phone, you were talking about hearing from parents yeah. Um, you know, about this, that, the other thing. I want yeah. to do this in two stages. One, I, I had a sense during COVID that what was going on is what you described, that a lot of parents were, you know, looking over their kids' shoulders to screen and said, what? What, what, what is that? You know, why are we doing this? Examples of that. And then this enormous outcry from parents around the country about critical race theory. Give me, give me a sense of the kinds of things, first, okay. apart from critical race theory, that parents saw that they were objecting to, that you were objecting to, or your colleagues, your co-chairs, others. Sure. So in Williamson County, Tennessee, we have a chapter. And within a, a month of their chapter starting, they had 1,100 members, and they put on a program called CRT 101. And the cha- chapter chair, Robin Steenman of that chapter in Williamson County, Um, had read a letter that had been sent to the superintendent about the curriculum that this parent, this mom of a second grader had seen her child learning. And they have four different modules throughout the year. And so two different units a semester. And she talked about the days and days and days they spent second grade, you should be reading, right? Learning how to read. Um, on, On books that were either not age appropriate, but also incredibly sad and depressing and depicting life in general and people 
as, as enemies of each other with no redemption ever for any of it. And so um, these moms put on, they have a, a curriculum called Wit and Wisdom that they use in Tennessee, which was interesting. It, it, when it was first chosen, it wasn't, it wasn't allowed actually because it, it was missing a phonetic component to the, to the early grades. And then they found, I guess they supplemented and brought something else in for that. But it was chosen and the common threads in, in Wit and Wisdom K through five were suicide ideation, which they found in first, third, fourth, and fifth grade. What does um, that mean? What does that mean? Like kind of glorifying suicide or talking about suicide. They had characters that were um, talking about thinking about killing themselves, whether it was an animal or whether it was uh, a, a person. And this is in books that the children are reading because this, this wit and wisdom is all of these different books that the children are supposed to be reading. But some of the books, even in the teacher's manual, are saying this is very, this is a high Lexile rating for these students, you know, teachers, you need to be reading it to them. And so parents were just looking at this, not understanding. So again, suicide ideation, cannibalism in first, third and fourth grade found in these books, anti-nuclear family in first, first fourth and fifth grade, um, anti-America, graphic death, dark imagery, uh, um, age inappropriate topics, so these parents went through this second grade curriculum and just did a presentation, which we have up on our website. Um, and it's all about wit and wisdom in second grade. And you can see the pictures of the books that were used. And so parents were very concerned. And this mom um, is uh, the mom of a biracial child. And she said that the, the way that they were learning literally made her son hate half of himself. And um, she was horrified. So my she God. Spoke, oh, yeah, it was awful. You I my we were watching the, the mom speaks. Um, I, I'm not giving out her name. We haven't. She asked for her name not to be sure. But she did do the she did do the presentation at the CRT 101 where we had Robbie Star, Starbuck and Dr. Wen Yun Wu. Um, and uh, she's the executive director for Californians for Equal Rights. And um, you can go to the Moms for Liberty Williamson County YouTube uh, channel. And you can watch this mom speak and um, it's heartbreaking. Um, her husband's white, uh, she is uh, Thai and um, you know, her son's seven years old. Um, so, um, you know, that, that was an example I think of, of what some of the parents were seeing when they were watching from, you know, virtually. Um, and then when you, you, when, you know, in Florida kids were back in school and we had things happening like in Florida, Keisha King has been very outspoken. She's a mom of two girls. Um, and uh, at one of the high schools, they uh, separated students by race uh, for, because they had a diversity consultant that was coming in. And the diversity consultant was hosting two meetings. And so they wanted, um, they, they said in the hopes of creating a safe space to allow students to be transparent about their experiences at the school and, and parents just flipped out and said, why are you separating our children based on race? Gosh, um, we no. don't, we don't want that to have be happening. God, I got, you know, the, the, it's just so crazy. I'm sorry. I and mean, we fought for a civil war about this. We, you know, uh, you know, the Supreme court decision that separate is, is not equal, you know, and, and, and then returning to this, I was listening to my friend and colleague, Victor Davis Hanson the other night on TV. And he said that, you know, the, the, the ancient world, you know, and the history of humanity, is not a pretty history, the ancient world, you know, up till 2,500 years ago, it was all tribalism. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you fought and killed people who didn't look like you and you fought 
with people who did look like you and, and everything was based on whether people looked like you and were the same color and you know the same yeah. shape and and so we advanced beyond that into civilization i think it's called and we finally get it right in this country because we had it wrong for a while for sure and then people want to undo it i i i i wrote a book in 1978 i said the more you draw attention to race the more trouble you're going to have well and children yeah. don't see it um, no, they the don't. There, that's right. There was, a, there was a little girl who did a, um, a video with her dad and um, I was showing it to my kids because the little girl's talking and she says, you know, you, you don't judge people by the color of their skin, you know, and if you don't know people, you can make friends like, you know, it's so simple. You know, we love all people. Right. And, right. and And that's the way children are. So I think parents around the country are saying, wait a second, you know, here um, I have biracial children or I. Um, you know, and, and all of a sudden, it's not enough to, to not be racist, you have to be anti racist. And so in these children that are so young, that racism isn't even a part of their lives. And, you know, no. let, let me be clear, Bill, we I am not a person that denies the existence of racism. And I think that um, we need to be talking about history. And we need to be talking about events that have happened to make America what it is today. But to drag us back so far as far as segregating right, students right, again is right. just, I mean, parents will not stand for it. And I think that's what you're seeing, right? You're seeing yeah. parents standing yeah. up and fighting back, but we're being called racist. And because it's, it's right. It's racist to question. We don't have the right to question it. It is what to, we're I, being told. I want to comment just because my own experience, I did a book called the book of virtues and there's a, there's a story in uh, children's book of virtues called frog child snake child and it's about a baby frog and a baby snake and they're playing together and they're playing together and playing together and playing together and then one of the parents snake child's mother finds the little snake and says who are you playing with so frog child so you can't play with it why because yep. we don't play with it child is bewildered why not why not that child here I mean, is obviously a metaphor they don't they don't have this in them one of my sons you know not a not an Einstein here, a bright kid and successful young man and now adult. I remember asked me when he was about 12, he said, Dad, did people really discriminate or not like people based on their race? He couldn't believe it. Why would anybody do that? Right. It just doesn't make any sense. And now we are being invited, urged. And, that's, and the problem is not us. It's the kids yeah. who are being invited and urged and told to do this. What is going on in these people's minds? Who wanted well, want this to happen? What do you think? I think, you know, when I was serving on school board, I had the opportunity to listen to a man, Jamie Vollmer, who spoke about, um, he wrote a book called Schools Can't Do It Alone. And he had this whole chart that he talked about all of the things that have been added to school since, you know, public school began in America. <laughs> and, and it's just this list that's crazy. And so, you know, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for parents. I think that to a certain degree, we have abdicated some responsibility to schools because they've made it so easy, right? You know, we free lunch, free breakfast. I mean, so, you know, and, and so I think parents to a certain degree kind of got complacent and a little, probably a little bit lazy, if I'm honest. I think I would be, um, I think I can say that honestly, as a mom of four that I have as well sometimes. And I think that the time now parents are seeing that because of that, um, we, it's time to redraw the boundaries that, you know, we don't want to co-parent with the government. And, you know, we have government schools. That is a reality. And I think, I don't know that I grew up thinking that way, but as an adult and as a parent, I I certainly see it. And as we look at security in schools and things, you know, um, 
school shootings and things have also changed the, the culture and climate at our schools. So. No, I think you're right. I, I mean, I think um, a lot of parents did, but you know, I don't, I don't blame parents for, you know, for saying, look, you know, I'm, I'm working or I've got other things to do. We're paying taxes and, you know, we, we, we can go to the school. We, we, we trust the teachers to do a good job. But once you find out maybe you can't, then you, then you have to act. But, you know, there is a kind of presumption that the, you know, the street sweepers will sweep the streets, the cops will patrol neighborhood and the teachers will teach the children. And you can trust them to do that and stay within the boundaries of, I think, what we thought education was. That's and- right. But now we got this big window during COVID. This, I think this whole COVID thing, just, you know, Justice Brandeis said sunlight is the best disinfectant. And we just put a ton of sunlight on like what's going on in can, the schools. Go I ahead. like to say we can make COVID lemonade. And and so in my family growing <laughs> up, my mom would always tell us to make lemonade. And so when I look at COVID and, and what we saw here, I think a lot of people had just voted for a certain political party for a long time. And uh, when a lot of the elected officials refused to open schools across the country, and we have chapters for Moms for Liberty, we actually just hit 50 chapters. Um, we great. have chapters, thank you, from Oregon, California, Texas, um, New York, uh, Minnesota, you know, all of Tennessee, Florida, Virginia. So, you know, as we're growing, we're all sharing stories. And it's just been so interesting to see this wave of curriculum and education kind of come from, you know, out of universities, but certainly in California, it's, it's much further along than we are like here in, in you know, Florida, you see uh, Governor Ron DeSantis just banned critical race theory, yeah, right, in schools. That, yeah. But well, but, you know, it's already here. And and today, uh, Representative Randy Fine from a district just north of me did a press conference with the moms uh, of the Brevard chapter of Moms for Liberty because they did a bunch of public records requests and found just so many damning infer- connections and things, speakers brought in and money paid and um, emails between senior staff regarding privilege of certain students. And, um, you know, so, and then a Moms for Liberty chapter in our Charlotte Mecklenburg chapter um, just broke two days ago through uh, FOIA requests um, that uh, Dr. Kendi was brought in to do a 45 minute virtual keynote speech in, in Charlotte schools. Um, and he got paid $25,000 and it was 44 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm bet. I'm bet. Um, I'll bet. I'm not surprised. That's amazing. But they what? keep telling us still CRT doesn't exist. It's not here. It's not in our I schools. Know. And, and so we just keep showing them, you know, so moms now need to be the parents in general need to be the watchdogs of their children's school district. Uh, I am a, uh, I was a Democrat 25 years. I've been a Republican now about uh, 35 years, but, um, I hear that when you go to these big school board meetings and the one that's been most publicized been Loudoun County, but there are others around the country and you know better than I, that this isn't just Republican moms. There's Democrat moms. This is independent moms. This is moms and dads. Is that right? Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And again, I'll go back to the whole school situation. I think that really brought a lot of parents together. You know, I'm on Twitter. I'm very active. You can go to Moms for Liberty. Uh, we have a, our national Twitter page. And Oh, wait a um, minute. Let me pause right there because I should have done this in the beginning. People want to find out more about Moms for Liberty. What do they do? Where do they go? They go to momsforliberty.org. That's our website. Um, all of our chapters have Facebook pages, so you can search on Facebook for a chapter uh, near you. You can go to our website and do that as well. Um, Great. And uh, we're on Twitter as well. So Moms for Liberty on Twitter. Momsforliberty.org. Very good. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. 
No, it's fine. And and people said, you know, I, I have lots, I've made friends from all over the country and people have said, you know, I was, I'm a single issue voter now. Are you going to open my children's schools? And so I think when people saw that, um, something that they never thought would have happened, right? Teachers unions um, have, have really shown themselves here to not have wanted to open yeah. schools across the country. I think right. parents were kind of like, okay, well, what else are you doing? What else are you? And, you know, and, and it doesn't help that every time we're going to meetings, we're literally and figuratively being shut out. Um, the system is protecting the system and they are freaking out, to be honest with you, and they should be. Our teachers sort of, you mentioned this Professor Candy, uh, and he's one of the, the gurus of this movement. Uh, are teachers just kind of passive vessels of this or are they cooperative? Do they buy it? And if they do, why do they buy it? That is, are teachers as a group so differently oriented in, in the world and toward things so differently from parents, from Moms for Liberty? Um, I, you know, I ask myself that a lot. I think that... Um... Dr. Wenyan Wu has said before that teachers anoint themselves as liberation agents. Um, that Say that again. Say that again. Dr. Wenyan Wu has said that teachers anoint themselves as liberation yeah. agents. Okay. And okay. so, you know, I think I, I saw a tweet from a teacher this week and, and or a, a, an administrator, and they said, you know, why educators must not remain neutral when it comes to doing the work of toppling injustices and inequities. And, you uh-huh. know, my question will continue to be, can we teach the kids how to read? Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) You know, literacy is equity, in my opinion, and and in the opinion of many people. And there's no reason why um, we have the outcomes that we do out of considering the amount of money that we invest in public education. Any business would never be able. Imagine, you know, even even failing our students, 60 percent, 67 percent of kids are not reading on grade level. If you were a doctor and 67 percent of your patients didn't make it through surgeries, would you still be uh, right. allowed to operate? I mean, you know, and let we me, are literally failing the kids. So let me give you an example you can use. Um, when I uh, when I was secretary of education, uh, we had a tip line about things, both good and bad. And a good thing, I flew out to California and saw the great high mass Galante. I don't know if you know who that is. Who's this great math teacher. Garfield High School, who was teaching in a all Hispanic, pretty pretty low income neighborhood, and he ended up through his efforts being making that school number two in the United States in terms of wow. students getting advanced placement. Extraordinary guy. Uh, anyway, he was fired from the school because he he had more students in his classroom than California law allowed. Can you imagine? He said, "Yeah, because they want to learn calculus and get out of the ghetto." You know. Uh, anyway. So I went there on a good tip. I then had another tip that there was a school in Baltimore where not a single student, Tiffany, was reading at grade level. So I went there and I was polite, but I said, you know, what goes on here or what doesn't go on here? And, you know, it was a brief visit because, you know, I I had a habit of doing this. I went to 120 schools. I went to Chicago. I said, these are the worst schools in the country. And a guy from the mayor's office stood up, Tiffany, and said, we're not the worst schools in the country. Detroit has the worst schools in the country. <laughs> Great, yeah. I said, hey, good for you. You know, good yeah. for you. Anyway, so here's the Baltimore example. I was really criticized in the press for going to the school and bullying them. Now, I'm the secretary of education. I'm going to a school where nobody's reading a grading level. And I'm saying, you got to do better. And I'm accused of bullying. Now, the story's not over. The next administration comes in, Bill Clinton administration. Secretary of Agriculture hears about uh, 
some school in California where three students have been poisoned with bad food. They don't die, but they're very sick. He flies out there to find out what's going on with the uh, with the uh, uh, the kitchen and the cafeteria. And they closed down that school because they're serving bad food. Okay, I learned from that, and I gave a speech, and I said, you know, I was criticized when I went to Baltimore. Right. You know, I, I should have, with all the powers vested in me, closed down that school because they're not a school. They're not educating. Right. I, of course, I don't have that power, Secretary of Education. Good thing. You don't want that government to have that kind of power. But you see what I mean? I, I'm picking up on your point. You can do a lousy job year after year after year in American schools. And you know what the result is? You get more money. Because yeah, nothing. Is if, you, if you had more money, you'd do better. Yeah, and, and we've seen we've seen very clearly that that is not the case. Now, I will say, you know, people will say equity is a, you know, they don't like the term equity. I, to be honest with you, I, I served in a, on a school board in a district where I saw that there were certain needs that schools had that were above and beyond other schools. We had a school that yeah. was primarily English yeah. as a second language, and uh, yeah. those students came in with a, a learn, you know, a language deficit, and you had to help them to get to yeah. where they need to be. Agreed. But when we Agreed. we when we look at you know illiteracy rates in prisons as high as seventy five percent of the prison population and we see where crime is right now in America and and we look at the, where the future will be if we continue to have these children coming out of school not being able to read and you need to be able to read to learn and, you know you need to be able to read in everything that you do and you know we believe moms for liberty that every child is capable of success in our classrooms and and we do when we and, and so you know holding that belief to be true we know that children can learn to read all children Yep, um, so, you know, while we continue to talk about um, I thought it was interesting because President Obama, former President Obama spoke and he was talking about, you know, I don't understand why all these Republicans, everybody's upset. They're concerned about CRT. Why aren't they concerned about the economy? Why aren't they? No, education is the biggest to in, in, in our opinion as mothers. I mean, education it holds the most potential for this country, but it also will be our failing if we ignore and we continue to ignore these problems. And you know, for moms, you kind of look and say, where is our seat at the table? Because we watched Good. the CDC Good. work with with uh, Randy Weingarten and, and President uh, Biden. And, you know, we, we keep looking and saying all these people are making these decisions for our children and parents have no voice. And Good. we realize yeah. that we're going to have to stand up and we're doing it all over the country, which is just awesome. I mean, you know, if, if anyone is concerned about the future of this country, they need to look no farther than the parents speaking up at school boards and realize and the children speaking out and advocating for themselves and their education and realize that, you know, America has a beautiful future, but we can't teach our children to hate each other because there is no future in that. We're speaking to the aptly named Tiffany Justice. Really, did you just adapt that adopt that name? For this <laughs> I really, did not. I, really <laughs> wonderful. Okay, Thank it's you. really wonderful. But uh, head of Moms for Liberty, or co-chair of Moms for Liberty, two things on, on what you just said. H.G. Wells said, life is a race between education and catastrophe. And that's right. When I was Secretary of Education, one of the things I also got in trouble for was saying, I don't care if you don't teach a single other thing. Get them by third grade to be reading confidently and with interest. You do that, their future is almost guaranteed because as you pointed out wisely reading's the key not only to reading and literature and history it's also the key to success in math and work and everything else uh the other thing is if you want to destroy a country you, you don't really take over the defense department or the budget you take over the ministry of education you take over the schools 
I have a PhD in philosophy. I'm not bragging. I just did, did that because I didn't know what else to do with my life. My brother said, go to law school. I said, I don't want to be like you. I want to be different. Anyway, uh, maybe I should have been a lawyer, but maybe not. I'm just as happy. But Plato, philosopher Plato said, at the end of the day, there are only two fundamentally important questions. Who gets to teach the children and what do they teach them? And that's critical. And that's why you are in the breach. You are right at the right place. And I'll tell you, are we, I don't want to keep you because I'm keeping you from your important work, but just a few more minutes if you have it. I do. Are, are, are you winning? Are we winning? I mean, I have a sense that we're turning the tide a little bit on critical race theory in the sense that the critical race theory proponents seem very much to be on defense, it seems to me. Yeah, I feel like we're winning because they keep telling us that we're not, they keep telling I feel like we're playing, um, what is that game like? You're getting closer, you're getting closer. And I feel like they're, they're telling us everything they need to tell us that, that, you know, we're headed in the right direction because oh, of the pin, the, pin the tail on the donkey. Pin the, yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, no, yes, you're I'm too sorry. young. You're too young. <laughs> you're getting, you're getting hotter and colder, yeah, right? Yeah. And you're blindfolded. Marco Polo in the pool. That's what I Marco Polo. There Marco you go. Polo, Marco yeah. Polo. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Hear that in your I, dreams. And I think that that, so I, yes, I do think we are. And I think that parents are the many. And I do not think that this is, um, I, I do not think, and you know, defending parents, defending education is a group that we actually uh, have uh, sent a letter with uh, 21 other organizations to Secretary uh, Cardona, and um, we said that we appreciated the focus on civics as education, but we wanted to express some concerns with the Office of Elementary and Secondary Education's proposed priorities for American history and civics education, um, and and we had some concerns about the way that it was written. Um, it creates a, it created a really, a, a very real possibility that um, under the grant program, discrimination would be introduced into classrooms yep. across the country. And, yep. um, you know, it's just, it, it, I, I think what we're looking at is the fact that um, we need to find a way to engage children in our schools and make them want to go to school. I, I think um when, we, when we're talking to them and we're teaching them in these early grades um, and, and all of the material is very dark and very depressing as we discussed before, right? We're not igniting a love of learning. Um, we're not making kids excited to go to school. And um, there are so many things when you look at, at, at grants that the, and you could tell me more than, more than I can say, but if we're looking at ways to do work and improving our schools, you would think that it would be an investment in teacher training, perhaps, right? And in, in teaching the science of reading that we know can can so help so many students to be able to read. And and it just doesn't, it seems like the priorities are just so out of whack right now. I do know a little about this. I agree with you, except that millions, billions that have been put into what's called professional development are largely wasted. Uh, it's not put into the right things. It's not put into the most effective way to teach reading, as you just said, it's put it, it's put into other things, but you know, money isn't the problem in education. It's what no, we're it's teaching. Not. We, uh, I mean, we just see the price of education going up and up and up and up and up. Uh, but the results, no, have you done a survey of your members? Uh, I can't tell you what to do. I'd encourage you though. I'd love to know if you were to ask what, what's the main thing you want schools to do? We did one about 30 years ago. And you know what came out? Very straightforward answer from American people. One, 
help our children, teach our children how to read and write and count and think. Two, help them develop reliable standards of right and wrong. Pretty good. You know, pretty good. Teach them how to read and write, count and think, help them develop reliable standards of right and wrong. Third was get them ready for the world of work. So I think today that, that, you know, right and wrong is, is going to be interesting to talk about, right? Yeah, it may, um, may not, maybe want to avoid it in light of yeah. what's going on, right? Right, and one of, that's, so that's one of the things, yep, that's one of the things terrible that, that that's That's terrible that we maybe want to stay away from that, guys. Just stay with reading, writing, counting, and thinking. Go ahead. Yeah. And mean interrupt. <laughs> no, and, and, you know, we have uh, the governor of Florida is about to sign into law uh, the Parents' Bill of Rights. And that was really outlining, again, the fact that parents have the right to direct the, the education and the moral and religious upbringing of their children. And yeah. we hope that yeah. this will be a roadmap for engagement down the road because um, we do need to redefine the boundaries. There are certain subjects that I think parents want to discuss with their children. And what we saw in Florida schools, unfortunately, was discussions about uh, gender identity happening in schools and parents. It's not that parents weren't, didn't know about it. They were, there were actually steps being taken to keep that issue, that from parents. And I don't know about you, but you know, if my child's struggling with something in their lives, I want to be the one as the parent. To That's help right. Them. That's right. You know, and, and so and that's my job and my responsibility and for the government to try to step in and to somehow make home not a safe place for children, which we're seeing happening um, is very concerning to parents as well. So I don't think that any of this stops um, uh, when I brought up parents defending education before uh, they did a survey. And um, they talked about, you know, overwhelmingly, people said 69% of respondents opposed schools teaching that America was founded on racism and is structurally racist. 88% opposed schools assigning white students the status of privilege and non-white students the status status of oppressed. And so when we kind of look back now, and when we look forward, excuse me, at our kids' education and, and all of these moms coming together, we want our children to lead happy lives where they are hopeful for the future of America. And when we talk in Moms for Liberty about, you know, securing the future of America, we truly believe that parents being engaged in their children's education is the answer. Um, and so we will continue to fight. We will continue to grow. grow. Our uh, goal is 3,000 chapters. That's as many counties across the United States of America. And um, just moms as watchdogs in every Beautiful. district. Tell us again, if people want to find out more or join, where do they go? They go to momsforliberty.org. You can follow us on Twitter and we're on Facebook as well. Well, you guys are heroes. You're heroes of mine. Uh, you're the Paul Revere's uh, and maybe the George Washington's uh, of the future. And uh, very glad you are where you are. And uh, this was needed. What did you say about COVID? This this could have been, this could be a blessing of COVID, right? Open people's we, eyes. Absolutely. Yeah, we talk. I mean, again, I said it's COVID lemonade, right? We had it. Our country's gone through something make that it, has make really... It. Let's take a good, hard look at education in America and let's invite parents to be partners in reforming education. You know, parents are the number one driver of student success and parents in classrooms are good for it's good for kids. It's good for teachers, too. So let us back in the classrooms here. Let us speak our truth at school board meetings. Try to hear us, uh, you know, and, and, and find a seat at the table for us. Because but, parents want to be involved. Yeah, well, I, you know, one of the things I said almost every time I spoke when I was in that job, you know, not every teacher is a parent, but every parent's a teacher. It's the child's 
all but indispensable teacher. Well, thank, thank you for Tiffany. your service. And thank you thank for your you. service, sir. Thank you for your service. And uh, I think you're getting paid even less than I got paid. <laughs> yeah, I'm not making a dime, but I, I, I know, know that it's it's good for the good for our future. It's good for America. Thank you, Tiffany Justice. Thank you. Well sir. done. Well done. That does it for today's show. Catch up on previous episodes of the show. Go to the BillBennettShow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week. 